0: Live with Fred Marceru. The time is then there. Uh, 8.15 a.m. Mm, and you're on holidays from the rugby season, so you had to set the alarm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wake up a bit later on holidays. Summer summer in uh, France, there's no, no sunset.
1: Hey, it's long days. Yeah, yeah. Soon, soon summer, but uh, yeah, long days at the moment. Hmm. Did you head back home? Are you back in Montpellier? Yes, I'm back in Montpellier. So I live in Bordeaux during uh, 11 months because I work with uh, Bordeaux rugby union top 14 as a strength coach and uh, when on holidays go back to Montpellier where I have uh, my apartment and my girlfriend lives.
0: So what's it like uh, Bordeaux working with the top level rugby union? How how are you finding your journey so far in in the 15-a-side game? Um, It was quite different. So
1: the the context is we are in France. (laughs) So um, it's quite different between rugby union and rugby league because rugby league is a um, small sport in France. There's uh, just one or two professional teams, which are Catalan Dragon and Toulouse. And the top 14 is very big, uh, rugby union. So a lot of money, we've got a huge facility, uh, the best gym I've ever worked in. Um, and the, the culture is very, very different the training culture. So the French guys, uh, basically they they don't like the weight, <laughs> the weight, um, they, they prefer running, uh, there is a Massive culture of running in France. Endurance, if you're not good on the aerobic side, you're not ready to play at high level. But um, I can see, when I arrive in Bordeaux, I can see um, weak athletes. Um, their body composition was not great. And uh, power and speed were just uh, uh, really, really bad. So it um, changed me because I, I I work with the Catalan Dragons. With um, a lot of famous Australian players and very good French player as well, and um, athletic development was a lot better. Um, so um, I changed my my um, my system. I don't train the Bordeaux player like the Catalan player. Um, I had a three-year uh, plan, which was my long-term uh, athletic development plan, and uh, the first year was to work on uh, on their strengths, build strengths around the basics lift. Um, my first goal was to give them uh, a good range of motion on uh, on the squat, on chin up, uh, good technique on a, on a bench press, military press and, uh, and deadlift uh, as well on the Olympic lifts. So yeah, range of motion, good technique, uh, good bar speed. And uh, I didn't care with the, with the performance that much, even if um, I really like to have a, a classification in, in the player and the top rank, uh, stuff like that in the gym. But my first year was uh, the goal was to work on range of motion and technique. And the second year was to, um, the goal was to build their strengths and, uh, and power. Uh, which we did this year and we have a continuous improvement around the, the last uh, two years and next year my goal will be to um, apply the, the strengths we build uh, more uh, so quicker yeah so that's what the, the yeah. long term plan
0: you have uh, Sammy Rodrada there as well yes. eh? so you still yes. have some rugby league influence even when you went all the way to Bordeaux
1: Yes, yes, yes. Semi is uh, an amazing athlete. Uh, his body weight is around 102 kg. His body composition is nearly perfect. Um, good Sec. speed. Dry. <laughs>
0: the, the French say "dry" when someone is lean. Yeah. <laughs> Sick.
1: Not yeah. Um, uh, yeah.
0: Numbers. Hey, you send me some of your some of your data over there and- some of the best mm. numbers are uh, his. Yeah, around the, in power, power yeah.
1: stuff and um, mm. explosive, so yeah. jumps. That's the odd numbers. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the best. He's, uh, his strength numbers are not that great yeah, for, yeah. for this athlete, mm. but power and speed, he's the best, definitely, mm. by far
0: maybe we can touch on that because I know you love powerlifting uh, you as much as me, you know, we both had the influence from Shaco and we've done some work with, you know, Sebastian Oreb and we like, uh, you know, your lifts are much more impressive than mine, but I, I have an academic interest in the, in powerlifting as well. What's, you know, how, where would you say it fits in, you know, for people who are thinking, or well, maybe I need to really delve deeply into powerlifting. Like what results have you seen when the powerlifts get better, uh, at what stage is that really good, and when does it, you know, when is it not that good? Like,
1: so for rugby players, professional rugby players, um, I had a link between uh, improving powerlifting and uh, improving jumps and acceleration. For sure, we we can see. I I have seen it with the with the Catalans, and I've seen it as well with the, with Bordeaux players and yep. it was more impressive in Bordeaux because they had uh, no background in Olympic lift. The, uh, before uh, I take charge of the, of the weight program, they just did uh, some hand clean, 70 kg, no more, because cause it hurts, because uh, you can have injury if you-, that if you back. You, yes, <laughs> so um, I've, changed, I've changed it for the, the first pre-season. Um, I I bet with some players uh, at the end of pre-season, you will clean, I think, 100 from the floor, or maybe from the hang. They said, no, 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 for sure. Never, uh, I've never been over 70. I said, okay, we can bet maybe a restaurant or, or lunch. And- um,
0: French is player,
1: a, good, a good meal. Yes. A good meal. Uh, good motivator. Yeah, yeah. For friends and, uh, and a good meal. That's, uh, Way of thinking in France, mm-hmm. and um, the player lifted uh, 105 on week nine, so uh, I had a a, a lunch, <laughs> a lunch. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, powerlifting. Um, I can see a lot of improvement in a, in a acceleration, and uh, the player feel it. That's the most important. They feel the transfer. They like lifting weights with speed. They really like. They like. Because uh, it's easy to to feel the the improvement in technique uh, when you when you just start, and they really like to feel the the improvement. And when they improve their technique, rugby players they can put maybe five or ten kilo on the bar quite e- quite easy quickly. Yeah, and uh, they really like the the feeling, the sensation. And um, during session, when you when you put Olympic lift in, in your sessions. Um, I always, I never had to to push the player to, to do the lift or uh, say, okay, you have to do it because we want to get you faster or they, they just do it because they like, there is no eccentric um, uh, contraction um, or they do it or they fail, but it's a different ambience and um, I can see the competition uh, during the Olympic League sessions and uh, a lot of motivation and, uh, and a good ambiance because uh, when a player hits a PB, uh, the other guys are just screaming and uh, and uh, there is a good uh, good ambiance.
0: Yeah, that environment, if you can get things, you know, you can get people excited about being in a place, like that's probably something that isn't necessarily spoken about that much when you go and study strength, you know, exercise science and you're lecturing at universities and things over there. When you actually talk about, well, that actually makes the world of difference. I mean, it is actually in the literature from guys like Verkoshensky who said if the goal isn't there and, and you're not reaching for a target, then the, the the method doesn't even work. You know, I think that's that's a huge, huge thing. And I think it's a good take home if anyone's listening to this, that, you know, it makes it makes a difference what the environment is and what the intent of the of the player, of the athlete is, Headed down to the roosters tomorrow. Um, you know, on on the board there at, at at the Roosters, you can see in the background of PJ Lane's uh, Instagram stories and such. You know, you'll see the uh, intent. You know, posted posted up there, and that's one thing that you, you tend to get a lot of when you do weightlifting. But yeah, you have to set it up right. You know, I've definitely walked into the Roosters, and all the programs had 40 kilo snatch at the start of the year and 40 kilo snatch at the end of the year, and yeah, they you know they came near the bottom of the table and that's how you would train if you wanted to come near the bottom of the table. In in my opinion, like, um, the results correlated to the, to what was going on there. And you know, there's many reasons why that happens. And, um, it can be really difficult to be in that environment, that strength conditioning environment. And, um, you're worried about injuries and this and that and influences coming in from all over the place. It's not, it's not cut and dry environment of looking at a program and textbook, but um, yeah, I love I love what you're saying there about the you know s- seeing that environment. What about you know your squat, squat bench, deadlift? You know, talk about those because we we're sort of talking about our clean clean results there. I know you had a weightlifting comp as well, and you had some you know some yeah. massive lifts in there by the by the end. You know, you weren't just getting guys to a hundred. You you had uh, big South African man pumping some big weights. Um, yeah. yeah. What, um, I,
1: I think uh, a, a coach, a good coach, a uh, strength coach in the gym has to have some uh, uh, tricks, magic tricks. Um, I, I felt um, we got a, a very important week. Uh, we played Castres, which was the French champion. We played them away and we were in um, not that great position and uh, we had to win away against the French champion. And, I thought I had to feel something different to the to these guys on the week. That's why I um, um, I organized a, a weightlifting competition. Um, so in the gym, three attempts, uh, the scoreboard, and uh, everything was set up like a Olympic lift uh, competition. And uh, we had the I think I had the best session eleven years in my. <laughs> In my career, uh, we had the best session. Uh, everyone was really pumped, and uh, we got—I think—we got think 80 percent of the team uh, who hit their PB and 80. 80 percent, 80 percent so pretty much every player uh, hit their PB, and uh, I did a six-week cycle, so that was week six. So uh, <laughs> it
0: was Perfect expected. Time.
1: Yeah, perfect timing, and um, and yeah, we got uh, some um, so 150 uh, power clean from the South African guy, Yandre Marais. uh 140 for Jeff Poirot, the French prop, uh, French national team prop, um, five or six guys at 130, 132, yeah, uh, which was good.
0: Good. It takes some time to progress through the weightlifting and some coaches don't they choose not to use it because it takes you have to teach a skill and you know for that reason some people don't don't like it but for for me it's just barbell throwing and catching and you can't throw and catch anything like a barbell you know there's there's no other implement that's as throwable catchable as a as a barbell so it doesn't have to be rocket science right like it's uh how long does it usually take you like with an average athlete, I don't know there is no average, but like if you had to average it out, how long would you say it takes for an athlete to feel reasonably comfortable with uh, with a clean or a snatch?
1: Usually, I try to. Uh, so in rugby union, we've got seven to eight weeks in pre season, and I try all the athletes feel comfortable at the end of pre season. Yeah, so
0: seven so to eight weeks. Basically.
1: Two months, yeah.
0: You use the lift in season if you want to because they're, they're comfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and um, do you really shorten the range of motion uh, as you yeah. go through the season, or uh, no? I start with the hang clean. I start yeah.
1: just to feel the the good position, uh, and uh, we we progress from hang clean to uh, full clean. Yeah, and then. In season, I I like to alternate uh, full clean, hang clean, depending on what I, I want to, to work on. Yeah. So if it's more uh, explosive from a, from um, uh, tension, this is hang clean from, from isometric start, um, or with uh, elasticity, so reactive hang clean or uh, power from the floor with big range full range um, Yeah, depending on what I, I want to work uh, I change the, the variation of the exercise. Do you use any uh, from the blocks from the platforms? Uh, we don't have blocks uh, in Bordeaux we have a big gym but <laughs> don't have a, um, support or blocks so this year I, I didn't use. Um, I've slightly change the, the full clean for the big second rower, back rower. Uh, tall guys, uh, we start from an elevated position, so maybe 20 centimeter, yeah. not from a um, support. Yeah, okay. And, I know just, this is uh,
0: interesting,
1: sorry, Kings. This is interesting what you say. My opinion about Olympic lifting is um, if you don't put Olympic lifting in your session because it's too hard to teach, I think you're not a coach just because if you, if you coach, you, you have to be able to, to teach all the movement. And uh, yeah, that's my opinion. Just my opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you're allowed to have your opinion. You're, you're a coach. I understand that some, you know, if some people don't want to put it in, but yeah, not putting it in because it's too hard to teach, I think is, is, is a sad place to be. And I think a lot of coaches just, they just can't do the lifts, you know? So that's, a huge part, you know, we're going to get to real movement, I guess, but a huge part of real movement is, like, do the stuff. Like, once you can do a bunch of things, you're going to have a lot more confidence, you're going to be more respected, you're going to have more to talk about, and you're going to get better results. Like, you know, how long does it take to be proficient at weightlifting? You know, if you if you focus on it for 6 months, 12 months, then you're going to be okay at it. And if you if you just avoid it and just, you know, make up excuses and whatever you're missing like the foundation of, of weight training. You know, like I've got these old time strength books here and they talk about one arm snatches and they talk about two arm snatches and one arm jerks and all kinds of variations of huge weights. But that's where weight training came from. Like the fast lifts have always been there, you know, and I guess this game now of like, Oh, you're a fast lift guy. You're a slow lift guy. You know, I, for me, it's stupidity to, to choose a team. You, You should, you should be able to do it all. You know, and, uh,
1: and the speed of your training is, um, so you have transfer from the speed where you train. So you have to train uh, slow lift and you have to train fast lift as well because you've got uh, slow force production in rugby and fast as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what, what about trap bar? You know, the, the argument would be trap bar jumps or, you know, clean pools. What what's your feeling about those? Just do those variations Maybe weighted box jumps. Just do those things instead of using the Olympic lifts.
1: I think it works. It works. Um, yeah, you can do it. But I just reserve this exercise if the player has a, a massive injury or uh, can't do the the lift or don't have the mobility. Uh, my goal is to improve his mobility to to become um, crazy talk. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, Solve the problem. Crazy talk. Yeah. No, you just you just make them do other stuff. Don't solve the problem. No, no, but we can start with a variation for
1: sure, yeah. with prop bar jump or yeah. just um, hang pull or high pull. Uh, but my goal is in the future, he, he has to do the, the Olympic lead.
0: If you're in a team environment and that's the thing, you know, you can see the other players value it. You can see the coach values it. There aren't many yeah. players who are happy to be on the outside of that and, and not yes. play the game. It's, it's like sitting on the bench of rugby. Like no one wants to be the bench player. If they want to be the bench player, then you know, they're, yeah. they're not going to be around very long, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's what uh, um, I've seen when we did the Olympic lift. Uh, some players say, I, I don't, I, I want to do like the other guys. I say, okay, at the moment you can't because of lack of mobility, shoulder or whatever or your back, so we do this variation, but you have to work, you have to work hard, you have to work to do some extra uh, mobility work and um, or or rehab, and when you'll be ready, you'll be in the team, you will be, uh, you you can live with the the other boys, Uh, you can have the the same
0: uh, ambience, same uh, environment in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an incentive for them to fix something that's broken, broken athletes don't tend to perform as well. And some people would be like, oh, no, just let them play rugby. Well, whatever's holding them back from being able to weightlift is probably holding them back from being the best athlete they could be as well. Like, oh, we won't full squat because it's going to hurt their knees and their back. And it's like, well, if they've got crap backs and knees, you know, maybe you're going to have more injuries and less performance than the other teams. You know, that's What's your thoughts on full squats? Poliquin was always the lever stain kind of guy. I know you've done some... Uh, some some low bar squats as well. Talk to us about your your take on what squats should should these rugby players be doing? I think uh, full squat has
1: a lot of transfer. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I always say why is the squat the only exercise you don't want to do full range? Because when you when you bench when a player bench, every coach say okay, touch the chest, touch the chest, or oh, doesn't count. Um, when you do chin up, you say okay, you have to. Go over yeah. the bar,
0: but <laughs> I've seen I've seen half benches. I've seen a lot of half chin-ups where you kind of almost get the eyes to the bar. That's that's the yeah. rugby that that was the rugby league standard chin-ups. Uh, that uh... okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, we'll I know what, I know what but you're then. saying. Yeah, no,
1: yeah, you're... but, but well, <laughs> we always ask for a full range, uh, and why the squat is the only exercise you can't do full range. Uh, I, I understand. When when I have I have some very tall guys uh, around two meters. I don't know how
0: how many, how many feet. We we we're, we're metric over here. Then we don't care okay. about Americans. There's no Americans listening to this podcast. So it's like okay. maybe like six, six 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 or something is about two, two two meters. If you are American and you're listening to this and you're offended, then send me a message. But yeah, it's probably um, two two yeah probably about six 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 seven something like that. 200 centimeters, okay. big boys. Yeah,
1: tall boys, and, um, I can see that they've got a lot of difficulty, uh, to do a full squat. So it's okay for them to, to do, um, halfway or the way they can do, they cannot transfer. Uh, but for the other guys, yeah, full squats, um, and it's better for your knee, better for your hip. Um, that's why for the first, for my first season in Bordeaux, the, Performance exercise on the squat was the front squat, because uh, I can see people uh, going um, more on a, on a full range. Uh, it's easier to go on the full range on the f- front squat. That was my performance exercise last year. This year was more uh, box squat, because I want to, to have standard uh, standard um, depth, just to, to test their strength. But we still did the front squat during the, the season. Uh, just to make sure we are strong on the on full range. Um, but yeah, if you can go full range, go full range.
0: Uh, one of the things, because I had a guy, uh, Kane Evans, I think he's about six, 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 seven, um, probably one of the tallest guys in rugby league. He was sort of, um, yeah, he was in the in squad at the Roosters and then he went to Parramatta, but very tall. He had a lot of trouble around the hips and, and glutes and that sort of thing. We worked really hard on that area. One of the things I did with him was was to use goblet squats, and his form wasn't always perfect, and we couldn't load it that hard. But at least he got through the positions, and I I feel as though that was because he'd had a lot of injuries, and then you know he didn't have injuries. That was the, really the goal with him was just just play play a year, and then you're going to be close, you know. And then he yeah he got picked up, he got a good deal, so you know I guess I think my feeling is you should still goblet squat them you should still split squat them and then you know do do partial squats you know do do box squats or bench squats for load because yes. you otherwise you're not going to expose them to load and and load is is very you know load is still key you got to you got to hit the load so i think you can make a compromise it's not necessarily one or the other you know and that's yes. that's probably the case for a lot of guys when you start right you, at, mm-hmm. at the start you have to settle for box squats with the heavy weights mm-hmm. and then but you can be goblet squatting and split squatting and and then, you know, over time you can, you you know, it's nice to have your whole squad, squatting, you know, bumps Mm -hmm. of floor. And uh, my feeling is you're going to get a lot less ACLs, meniscus tears, cartilage, you know, all those, those knee problems, lower backs are going to be healthier. You know, if, if you, what are your thoughts? Like you, do you think you see any correlation with that kind of stuff? Like once people can do it. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I've got data
1: <laughs> about it yeah. and um, this year on our uh, our backs in Bordeaux, we got a lot of backs with uh, bad knees um, and um, the guy who have bad knees can't go through um, um, range on the squat. Some can, some can't, some are uh, just uh, afraid of going too low. Um, but uh, the guy with bad knees or can't squat uh, very deep, uh, they've got uh, muscle injury. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So they get quad
1: tears, hamstring tears. Yes. Um, more, uh, yeah, I've got more groin this year, groin and some, some hamstring as well. But yeah, uh, the guy who don't have the good uh, mobility around hips and, uh, and, uh, and bad knees, uh, they had a muscle injury and the guy who can pull squat with, with good range with a good technique uh lot less uh injuries so no muscle injury for them
0: yeah yeah this is this is my feeling as well as long as i think the problem i made because remember remy casti remy Casty is a good friend of yours and he came and played at the roosters with one of my favorite athletes that i ever had the chance have have, have have had the chance to work with so far you know, all heart, great guy. He had a massive quad tear. Uh, we were doing some speed work and it was running onto a ball at speed and then accelerating. And he just had tore his rec, rec fem in two. He's got a little, you know, lump. It's a, it's a pretty nasty injury to have. And he he does have good range of motion and he did squat deep. My feeling is that I wasn't doing enough split squats, quasi isometric split squats. That kind of work to take some tension out of the quad and to train the quad through a full uh, range of motion from both, you know, both joints. You know, like you people think, Oh, you can squat deep, everything's fine. But the other side of the equation is, yeah, hip flexes. You know, you, you can get into that deep, um, fully uh, shortened position, fully flexed hip, but it, you know, where's the hip extension at? And if yeah, if that's not good, and then yeah, I, th- I believe that was a mistake that I made. I made a lot of mistakes, but we can ch- ch- save that for another podcast. Maybe what's something that your your thoughts are evolving on, you know, where you, you feel like you, you made a mistake potentially at Catalans or at Montpellier before that or that you don't do now or you, you know, you've know, you evolved on?
1: Um, I think uh, when I think about the, the time I was at the Catalan, I'm a bit, uh, disappointed or, or sad because um, I think I hadn't um, the experience to, um, to, or I would like to have um, maybe two or more, two or three years more experience uh, to be better on the player management and um, to have better relations with the with the players. That was my first uh, role in a, in a professional environment when I, I started working with you for a few months and. and my first season uh, after as a um, uh, rehabilitation strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and then I moved straight after one year as a head of strength and conditioning for, uh, for three seasons. Um, my first season, we had a good season cause we reached the semi-finals in uh, in super league. I thought, yeah, that's easy, <laughs> that's easy. Uh, we didn't have that much injuries. Um, we had good results. We reached a semi, uh, so that's easy. And uh, two years after, I had a lot of uh, massive problem with uh, some uh, some players who didn't have good lifestyle or didn't want to to train uh, well, and uh, I didn't have the the good experience to to man- to manage them the best way, uh, you know. And, uh, now, uh, I've changed I've uh, evolved. Um, when I finished at the Catalan's, uh, I, um, I had a, a good trip to Australia, a good three months where I visited, uh, six clubs. Uh, I've been to Scotland as well. I've talked a lot with, um, other strength and conditioning coach from professional level to amateur level. Um, and, um, I said, yeah, okay, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I, I shouldn't, um, Talk with this guy this way. Uh, maybe uh, uh, it's better to push these sort of players. Maybe it's good to be uh, nicer with this sort of player. Um, I, I didn't have the, the experience to do that. And now in Bordeaux, uh, after two seasons, uh, the relations that I've got with players and staff is just uh, wonderful. And um, and uh, and yeah, I've got absolutely no problem to push the player and uh, to talk with them. Uh, So, yeah, I think I had the um, competencies um, on the paper just to to write program. Uh, The the sort of thing you uh, you learn at uni, Uh, you learn how to 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 build program and um, uh, how to make recovery, uh, how to to plan a week. Uh, But in France, I don't know in Australia, but in France, you don't know how to manage, how to coach. And uh, that was uh, my, my biggest mistake, I think. And that's the biggest improvement I had.
0: And I think traveling itself is a big human experience, right? Like all the people you meet and just, you know, constantly changing your environment and that, that kind of thing in itself, I think is, is awesome. You know, massive for people's skills. I actually think that's why I got the job at the Catalan Dragons because Trent Robinson, the head coach, he loved to travel as well. And he'd been on some good adventures and he'd lived in France and traveled all through Europe. And then, you know, he was looking for a coach and I'd just come back from six years on the road, basically, you know, 22 to 28, I'd been traveling all around the world. And I'd learned Spanish and I'd met so many different people. And I think it was really because of that. Like that was my first role as the head of a program after six years on the road. Like it was a pretty crazy appointment in a lot of ways, but I think it was that side that, you know, that he wanted. And I know as at 22 before I did all that travel, even though I'd been working at Parramatta in London, there's no way I could have gone into that role as a human. I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it, you know? So I like, probably you know the travel itself as well as all those people that you met you know would make a big difference to be fair fred you, you had uh, there'd been coaches in australia who would had the same challenges with some of those players that that had been recruited to the catalans as well it's like the gold coast of uh, of the of the super league like it's a great place to live um, not necessarily the best environment for guys who have a tendency to be a bit distracted by other components of life. But, you know, in hindsight, like it's, you know, it's a great baptism of fire. You know, you, you sort of had the chance to learn a lot, I think in a short period of time. And, you know, I did, I, I wanted to stay there with you for a couple of years and work together and, you know, maybe that would have made your transition slightly easier to being a head of head, of, head coach, you know, head of performance um, potentially, but yeah, it wasn't to be. And, you know, it was, I'm glad I got the opportunity to go to Sydney and I think you know things have worked out for you as well. So, you know, it is, it is what it is, but maybe, maybe we can touch on that. Cause it's, it's a, it can be a really hard job. And I, I know of you know, quite a few coaches who've either become really sick because of the stress or, you know, they've you know, there's suicides, there's tumors, there's cancers, and it's not necessarily a profession where people are very healthy, even though strength and conditioning really should be, you know, health strength and conditioning, like, it's it's kind of at the base of it, but it's it's not actually something that's really taught at university, you know, like the psychology side of things. You know, there are three pillars in real movement is, you know, movement, wellness, mind. If you don't have wellness in mind, then you only have movement. And even then, you know, often the mobility is not done that well. You know, the skill development isn't really part of the strength and conditioning guy's role. Um, so you've just got strength and endurance. And then, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot there, I guess, to – to uh, to unpack but what are your thoughts like if there are guys out there who are personal trainers or strength and conditioning coaches who are really stressed and they're really struggling to deal with the compliance and the people that they're dealing with they're not getting the result they want the team's losing or their athletes or their clients aren't you know aren't buying in they're not getting the result they want they're frustrated yeah what, what would your advice be oh no um
1: because I, I was just thinking my way and uh, I, I said, okay, I think uh, I'm good at um, programming uh, strength and I'm good at programming endurance speed uh, and player has to do what I want to do. Um, so that's not the, the right, uh, the right way um, you have to talk. Uh, I think now I talk a lot more with the players. Um, I, I put them in the middle of the of the, the project in the middle and uh, I said, um, OK, what's uh, uh, where do you want to to go? Uh, which sort of player you want to become? Uh, what are your goals? Uh, where do you think you can improve? What do you think you are good at? What do you think you are uh, weak or, or bad? I, I never say weak or bad, but uh, uh, what yeah. do you want to improve? Yeah. Uh, and uh, if the player um, answer with honesty he, he just say what he wants so you just have to write on a paper and you tell him okay you just said it so now work for it uh, yeah and it helps it helps because it's not you who yeah. said the goals it's the player so so if you don't respect the contract you don't train well you won't have this and it's you you say that so,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the best way to go. You know, that's if you look at motivational interviewing, I read motivational interviewing book um that John Dabrati recommended. Uh, you know, the, the guru from Precision Nutrition and old T Nation writer back in the day. And that's, you know, if you can ask questions and get what people want, like that's that's definitely better than telling them, No, no, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um yeah, definitely. Like that's it's good sales strategy. And people think I'm working in strength and conditioning. I don't, you know, I don't need to have any business skills or I don't need to have sales skills. But you're you're everyone does sales and marketing. There's there's Bob Proctor, yes. a mentor of mine, says there's two professions. There's sales and there's you know product delivery. So you, you're either doing you're doing one or the other or you're doing both. In your job, you have to do both. If you're not selling and you're just delivering a product that the people didn't order and the people aren't gonna be happy and you're not gonna get the best result that you could get, probably not gonna keep your job, like. Yes.
1: No. Yeah, definitely, when, when I, this is what I try to do to sell the, the program, um, but if I can feel the player is a bit hard to manage, uh, I say, okay, we uh, do 50-50, you like to do, the, to do that, I will put in your session, I would like you to do that. I put in your session as well. We do 50-50. If it's good, it's good. Uh, If you feel good, if you improve, we stay like this. If you get worse, you can do just your program. But uh, if you improve, I I try to to put a bit more of my philosophy, but try to keep a bit of uh, what he likes. Um, You talk about semi-radradra. He's got a a lot of exercise he likes to do. Uh, He likes to do crunches. He likes to do abs at the end of session. And I I don't care because he's the best on on the field. And from what I've seen, he did a lot of uh, abs at the end of session, uh, just as an extra. And the the French guys just went into the changing room after the session. And when they saw Semi uh, with uh, three or four line breaks every weekend, uh, doing crunches, they did crunches (laughs) in the session. Yeah, sit-ups and crunches. So that was good because um, they did an extra work, which was good for for them, uh, good for me, good for the team spirit. So yes,
0: there's definitely a lot of art. I think that's kind of the the biggest take-home. I think that you know, someone is listening. There's an art to this thing as well as a science. Uh, that's you know, that's kind of what you what you're sharing with us. What about on the science side? You're sharing some of your breakthroughs on psychology. What are you loving or whose influence are you excited about in, in strength science? Or, you know, it's, it's got to be about strength and power. It doesn't, but, you know, whatever. Anything in performance science that you're, uh, that you're excited about at the moment?
1: Uh, I'm fond of strength training. <laughs> so uh, I read a lot about strength, but I, I try to, to read more about, about speed and, uh, and change of direction stuff. Uh, uh, multi-directional speed and, and stuff like that. I come from track and field, so I've got a, a base uh, about running. I, I, I know a bit about it. Um, and when I left university, I, I think in France, uh, we study a lot about endurance. So I've got, a, I think, a good, um, good knowledge about uh, how to improve endurance. Yeah. Um, come from track and field, so I know a bit about speed and we didn't do that much about strength and power. That's why I went into um, into Clermont Leroux with you for one session of on, uh, the Olympic Lifting gl- Club.
0: Weightlifting Club, was yeah, that was a special experience. I tell you, I remember about that, those kids, seeing those eight, nine, 10 year old kids bouncing into the building and snatching, you know, and, and with those massive plastic plates on the bar and squatting, you know, <laughs> body weight, squatting, you know. 20, 30 kilos, punching out, you know, reps like that, that still stays with me as like, this is, this is what we need to be doing. We can put bars on kids' backs. They're not made out of plastic. They're less, less fragile than we are. You know, that that was a special yeah. place though. Like I enjoyed that session. I think I snatched 80. I think these, I've, I've still got videos. I think I put on YouTube my training from that day. <laughs> yeah. Not that it was good, but yeah. still.
1: But yeah. Yeah. So, um... So yes, I, I started to to learn more about uh, strength training, and um, uh, yeah, now I, I'm really fond of strength training. I try to uh, I try to learn about the best trainers in the world. Um, so I like Shaco for strength as well, but I like uh, Louis Simon's with Westside Barbell. They've got pretty much two opposite uh, system uh, and uh, way of thinking, but they produce uh, big lifters. So that's really interesting to, for me to, to learn about Sheiko and Simons as well. Um, I like Sebastian Oreb as well. Uh, when I've been to Sydney, I, uh, uh, I've paid him two hours of coaching just to just first to train at base gym which was uh i I look at it on instagram and uh, i said oh i want to i want to train in this gym and then to have the to to have the knowledge of of sebastian Um, i I was always um, a big fan of uh, charles polyquin why because when i started to search about uh, strength training on the net. He's got maybe 600 or 700 article on his website and he was uh, the, the easier to, to read for me, the easiest to, to read. And uh, that's why I I read a lot about Charles Polyquin all these books, a lot of these articles. Uh, I've been to four of these uh, certifications. And um, it, even if I don't use uh, child polyqueen system in my uh, in my system now with rugby player. Um, it set the the base of my of my system. That was the base. And when I started working with Catalans with the the young players, um, I've worked with polyqueen exercise, which is a polyarticular uh, exercise, um, uh, the use of tempos, use of supersets. Keep it simple, stupid.
0: <laughs> I like. Yeah, there's a lot of the fundamentals of strength training that just other people, you know, other systems don't pay any attention to. You know, I think I've just built out a level one course and it's trying to be like, well, in 10 hours, you know, what does someone need to know to be able to get good results with someone and for sure there's so much stuff that I learned from Charles even though, yeah, like my my first year at the Roosters when we won the premiership, like it was a Westside, you know, Approach, and I, you know, I'd been in, spent time with Phil Richards, and you know, he really massively influenced the way I did that 2013 season, and, and I and I wouldn't change it, you know, like I, I mean, obviously, I'd do it differently now, but I think that the intensity that I brought and the the emphasis on rate of force development and things was, you know, was a good move. But um, yeah, like there's just so many things from from Charles, and even like even though he has a very different manner as well, like just the the, the seriousness and the respect that he has for strength training and you know his ability to have premium events and for people to pay for that and all that sort of stuff like just the self-respect i think in his system like there's, there's so many things that have a big influence on you know how i live day to day now mm. um yeah even though i'm you know doing sometimes i trained very polyquin style and other times you know not at all today i did uh 12 sets of, uh, 12 reps on the bench press at 60 kilos, uh, with chin ups in between and then 15 reps of, uh, quad board squats and 15 reps of, um, 45 degree hyper for like 10 sets. And then yoke carries and wheel rollouts and it is yeah, definitely not a kind of session. I don't know, but he has all sorts of sessions, I guess, within his system. But, um, what are you going to train today?
1: Um, Today I'm going to train upper body. So at the moment I train um, upper lower, upper on Monday and Thursday, lower on uh, Tuesday and Friday. And uh, when I train upper, um, I try to have four lifts. I like to, I like to change the lift uh, at the moment. It's the end of season. I'm on holidays. I don't want to to have a a strict program. So I want to have a, a horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull bit of core at the end, a uh, bit of um, shoulder rehab because I've got a, i have got I had a tendonitis during the, the season after uh, hitting a PV on the bench, <laughs> uh, a few weeks after I had a tendonitis. Uh, so yeah, for today it will be a dumbbell bench press, it will be a chin up, uh, it will be a dumbbell row and uh alternated military press with dumbbell as well, uh, 6, eight, ten.
0: Six seconds, oh, like, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Um, what about on the, what are you excited about lower body at the moment? Are you pushing for PBs or it's kind of like a maintenance phase?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I just started a, a new cycle to reach a PB at Christmas because um, I beat my PB end, uh, end of 2018. Uh, I did a... 220 back squat which was my my pb Um, and i would like to have 240 in at christmas uh, this year so i just started um, i do my back squat uh, which is a progression for for six months i do my back squat on tuesday and on friday uh, i use a variation i do uh, lower reps now Uh, i did a front squat uh, last week i will do a box squat this week uh, I try to change the second exercise, the variation on my second session, just to, to have a more more fun and uh, and more change.
0: Yeah, and I mean Westside Bible's kind of proven that that kind of training can work well. We used a lot of variation at the Roosters, you know, that that 2013 yeah. season because they'd all been involved in a program that was pretty monotonous and relatively boring. They appreciated the variety of what we did. It's kind of reckless in a way because they're never adapting to anything but that's also kind of the way that rugby league is you know if they're able to deal with chaotic um, weight training then they may deal better with the chaotic on the on the field environment you know where the the gym numbers are secondary to the field numbers that was kind of what we did and it was uh, you know the it was it was a good year Um, that was the way that
1: that was the way I trained at the Catalans we we changed the variation Uh, each week or each two weeks Um, in Bordeaux because first they had the the French guys had no not that much background about weights and uh, they didn't value weights my goal was to do um, a longer cycle uh, and stay with keep the same exercise for three weeks yeah uh, just uh, because they don't know or if I change every week they just ask me uh, how heavy? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so we keep the same uh, exercise. The, the the big lift. We keep the same exercise for three weeks. So they are they can adapt. They can learn and uh, know what's the the best uh, weight they can put on the barbell. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Catalans I use more variation because they got good background and uh, they know how to put on the barbell for for that yeah. kind of lift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just having different tools, knowing different approaches can work. And it's, it's important that you're excited as the coach, right? Like I, I think it's okay to change things up if you feel like there needs to be something different. Um, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a it's sign of a good coach to recognize that, yeah, this situation is different to the one I was in before. And this is what I believe is going to work best now. So do that. You know, that's um, that's key. You're now mentoring a lot of coaches, how do you feel? You know, we, we've come into real movement. We, you sort of learn a bit about real movement with, with me. And then you, you know, we talked, we spoke about you know, getting something off the ground there, uh, in France cause you'd helped me to you know, get a few events presented and that sort of thing. Now you have a huge community of, of real movement, France. Like what's, uh, what's going on with that? What's news with real movement, France? Uh, uh, we've got, yeah, like you say, we've got a
1: good community now. Um, we've got uh, 55 uh, coaches in the, in the community, in our network. And uh, we started in 2017 after my trip in Australia, when we, we talk about um, growing real movement in France. Uh, we started with a mentorship for the, the first year, 12 uh, coaches, 12 mm. enthusiastic coaches um and and it worked from day one to, to the last day it worked they, that was i thought that was what uh, they were missing in their uh, education or uh, or um, in in, uh, in french uh, coaching network uh, they were missing link uh, talking with other coaches talking different approach uh, coming from a uh, different uh, different areas and uh, having 12 people plus me uh, in the group and chatting every day about training about mindset about awareness uh, uh, was uh, uh, absolutely uh, amazing and I've always had uh, positive feedback which make, made me happy and uh, enthusiastic to to continue to grow the real movement um, yeah I, I really like the, the thing that the thing um, with connecting people, um, and uh, I think that when when I started the, the mentorship, uh, I tried to be very very uh, uh, good at what I shared with them about training, about mindset, about wellness. Uh, I I I thought the content of the of the mentorship is the key. If this is a good uh, good good uh, yeah, good content. Uh, the coaches will be happy and that they will stay uh, with us. In fact, that was the case for the first two or three weeks. But what worked uh, the best was the just the connection between coaches, they, they yep. were more ent- enthusiastic to just to just to talk between them uh, after that, and uh, sharing stuff and having plans. Uh, yep. And yeah, that was fantastic.
0: You've had a lot of guys there now, they've, they've got all sorts of confidence, they've got facilities or they're running their own workshops and you know, it's, it's cool seeing people grow hey, from not really knowing where they're going to lots of confidence and going after all yes. sorts of projects.
1: Yes, the, the first uh, video uh, I asked them is, uh, you have to do a presentation and uh, just tell me what you expect from the, the mentorship and uh, what are your limitations so far and they, they maybe 10 on 12 say, uh, I've got no confidence. And I was, wow, Uh, your coach, your personal trainer, your strength and and conditioning coach, and you have no confidence. So um, that's hard to to coach people when you don't trust in yourself. And um, yeah, that's hard to to make people better. So, okay, uh, we'll work about uh, your confidence. And it was um, a, a long process. And we started with the, the mindset. So first, know who you are, then uh, know what you, the person, the style of person you you want to to become. Uh, so set your goals. Uh, what do you really want in life? What are your What are your goals? And then, when you know who you are and what you want, uh, you can set the stages. And after that, what is the the hardest for French? coach of French people is uh, consistency. So yeah, I, do, don't think do, that's,
0: you... I don't think that's only a challenge in France. I think everybody battles with consistency. I know I've had times where things are not, you know, not going well, and I can't keep keep my you know thoughts on track, my my actions on track. But I know that I do it a lot more and a lot better when real movement is strong. So that's a big part of my motivation for for the relaunch. And yeah, we've got 11 people now in the in the mentorship and you know, there's, there's, there's still a bunch more. And I think, you know, we're gonna probably have our first group of 20, you know, locked in within the next week or two. And yeah, I'm just very excited. They're great people. I'm looking forward to them coming together, meeting each other, you know, everything that's going on in this process. It's like, it's what I really, you know, what I'm really excited to do. And um, I'm very excited to link up more as well. You know, we're, we're getting those events together, the plan together to, to do some things over there, in November and December you know, linking up Real Movement France with uh, with Australia. And yeah, it's kind I'm really looking forward to more of the French guys coming out here. And, you know, we're connecting up some new coaches in, in Ireland and around Europe. So it's going to be really, you know, I'm really excited for the European community to to really take off and come over a couple of times a year to visit. But obviously, you know, you, there's so many good coaches there. And, obviously, you know, you and Adrian leading up the the, the European side, it's it's, it's exciting to to be doing this again. I don't think there's anything else out there like it. You know, I've, I've done a lot of the education programs and, you know, there's there's definitely great stuff out there, but there's nothing like this uh, that I've seen. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm great. I'm so glad that we get to work with you on that. And, and I'm really excited to sort of pull it all together now that I'm, you know, really back into this full time. Um, you've sort of been doing it on your own over there in Europe the last couple of years and doing, doing an amazing job and, yeah, it's going to be even more fun to, to work together for the next uh, the next phase. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Anything else you want to uh, you finish with there? Um, no,
1: yeah, just uh, just to say, I think um, I really, really think um, really movement changed my life, and uh, that's the the thing I can hear from the coaches I mentor now in France as well. Um, we just discover a lot of things Um, that's a holistic approach. So uh, we learn about skills, mindset, wellness, training movement for sure. But uh, yeah, when I left the uni and I started working in Montpellier, I was just thinking, like I I said, uh, on strength program, weights program, uh, endurance, speed. And and I thought that was just the job of a a coach. Uh, But now, I know that um, uh, when your mindset is on is right, is on the right way, uh, you can be a better coach even if uh, your program is not the, the best. But you can you can coach better if your, your mindset is good, um, if your health is good as well. Uh, yeah, that's um, we can help people from uh, many um, area. And uh I said sometimes you have a great athlete like uh, Semi Rad Radra, I've got a great athlete and uh, I don't think I can help him more in the gym or uh, or uh, with his speed or, or power. Uh but I can help him maybe for, with his uh lifestyle, with diet, uh recovery, uh mindset. Yeah, that's the that's the thing uh why real movements uh, change life. Because it's a holistic approach,
0: and we're still working towards the best programming as well. You know, I think that's yeah. not losing sight of that to look at all the other factors, uh, getting the the best the best we can do in each of the areas. Um, yeah, cool. Well, I, I really appreciate your your time, Fred. Obviously, I, I really appreciate your friendship, and you know that you came out to spend some time with with me and my family. Um, end of two thousand sixteen was a, a really special time, and look forward to doing it again and bringing uh, you know sophie as well hopefully and peut-être uh, on fait autre en français si si les gens en france veulent qu'on fait autre en français But uh, maybe maybe they will understand as well i don't know we'll we'll see what the response is but if there's a, a demanda then uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll have a try
1: yeah that would be good
0: perfect Thank you for your time, Fred. It's getting very dark. I'm fading into the blackness here, even though it's not that dark yet. But um, have a great training session. And, yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Be good. Talk to you soon.